evening and welcome to Success in the City. My name is Helen Webster and I'm with the lovely Andrew Scott and our guest today is the fabulous, amazing Mali. Thank you very much for calling me fabulous. Well, ah, we had so many comments when we said you, you were coming on our show today. Loads of Teddy make loads of people commenting what great stuff you do. So we're honored to have you on, really. And this is take two, isn't it? Well, I'd say take three, wouldn't you, Helen? <laughs> I, I don't know how many times we've tried to get on here. They really, really don't. But um, we're in a studio, technology. I do need technology and I need assistance very, very quickly indeed. <laughs> Christmas is going to bring me a few laptops with a bit of luck. Oh, so, but we're on, we're on now. So we have had a couple of little dress rehearsals and something happened and we don't know why, but we're all on. So everything's cool now. So that's really, really good. Really? And yeah, last time Mal was on, we couldn't get the, the volume working, but we're sorted now. So I'm super excited to have you on and thanks so much for giving your time up and uh, your afternoon up as well today, um, trying to get us... Uh, doing our little dress rehearsal and stuff, trying to get us on. So first we start off with a shout out to the kids, any young people who've done amazing things this week. Um, so Mal, I'm going to go straight to you. Have you. Any young people who've done amazing things for you? Well, the, the young, obviously the, there's a lot of young people in, in there with being involved in grassroots football, but the young people, have, yeah, the young people are going to do amazing things are the young commentators that I have coming on Friday evening, which is... Um, Young Ben, hopefully Dan, sorry, Hi. Young Ben should be coming with a bit of luck. Dan, Oliver, um, Connor and Jaden, they're, they're the ones I want to give a shout out to because they're amazing kids, you know, that have, uh, we've gone over 12 months with them now on the shows and they're just superb. I really do want to give them a great shout out. Oh, brilliant. We've had Ben on the show. He's fantastic, isn't he? So our very first guest of the show was Ben, beautiful Ben, I call him, um, football with Ben. And from the first week that he came on with us and then he's joined with you, Mal, and he's done all of his um, training and his podcast um, you know, experience and stuff like that with you um, and the commentating and things. And then um, he went to the Anfield Rap and he was interviewed by John Gibbons, um, which was aired last Last week, I think, or the week before, John messaged me and he, he did a little interview with Ben and, you know, um, he took him in to show him how the, they do their filming and stuff. And it was just, so um, you think of, you know, the growth of him in that short space of time is just unbelievable, isn't it, you know? It'll become his show very, very soon, indeed, to tell you that now. Yeah, he's, he's brilliant. He's great. So any young people for you, Sam? Oh, yeah, well, you know, I was poorly, so I haven't been out and about much um, for a couple of weeks, but... I've started teaching a lovely little lad who's only six years old, Thomas, just does 30 minutes of Portuguese with me because that's enough at that age. So he had a taster last week and he had his first lesson tonight and he did, he's just aced it. Absolutely brilliant. So he tried, it's a long time, you know, 30 minutes for a little one yeah. to study after school when they're six years old on Zoom, by the way. So he's done brilliantly. So a uh, shout out to Thomas. Delighted. Well done, Thomas. Well done. Um, and I'm going to shout out to all my little whack-a-ball people and some of the big ones. So to come out in this weather, because um, the weather's horrendous, isn't it? And they've all come out and we've just had a, a ball. And, you know, these are neurodiverse children who couldn't hold a racket and are now having rallies. And, you know, I don't think they believe themselves of how good they actually are, you know, compared yeah. to week one. Um, and it's just lovely to see them and they're having a little chat with each other. And it's just lovely to see not so much the sport side of it, but the interaction side and the, the, the friendship side of it as well, which is the way Ethan's been off because he's had um, an operation on his toes and he was back today. So a uh, big shout out to Ethan, who's going to be one of our young ambassadors, which is cool. So uh, so that was lovely. So, yeah. Um, success for you, Sam, um, for the grown up, for you personally. Yes. Um, I'm no longer ill. Well <laughs> done. I haven't been ill for a fortnight since 2009 because I always go on, I've got marvellous powers of recuperation and I'm all right in 24 hours and a lem sip or a hot toddy solves everything. Oh, my God. And then I got to Wednesday last week, which is week two, and I thought, I haven't made a will. And I was like, I just felt that bad, honestly. I just thought I was dying, absolutely dying. So I feel like saying, I'm alive. So I'm really happy. And you know, when you're sick and you're well, you're like, yay, I've been given a new life. So that's where I'm at at the moment. So that's my success is I'm no longer ill. 
let's Brilliant. hold on to the positives. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then she does a fake cough for sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> I still sound like a smoker 40 a day. You ju yeah. you just cursed yourself there, Sam. Oh, no. <laughs> what about you, Mal? What amazing things have happened to you this week? Well, there's amazing things that's happening coming to this weekend. Um, what we've done, we've managed to make, raise just over a thousand pounds. Um, we have grassroots football this coming weekend, and Brilliant. on the day in the Jeffrey Hummel, which is the Walton and Kirtdale Junior Football League, we've managed to get a couple of businesses involved, some it ourselves, cap in hand, to pay the referees' fees, which. Um, there's a lot of teams involved on the Sunday. Mm -hmm. Now, we're giving every team the free expense of a referee on the Sunday. And in turn of that, what we want to try and do is ask these teams all to donate food on the Sunday um, towards each food bank that's going to be delivered across the city by fan support and food banks. So we've teamed up with them and we've managed also to get Father Christmas there from... 1 till 2 p.m. in his float. So he's going to make a guest appearance. Oh, and amazing. there's a possibility, possibility that Sky Sports could be there. Can't promise. But there is a film crew, a training film crew coming who are making a TV programme. And they've asked, can they come along and do some filming? So the thing is hopping up. It's going to be massive. And the people, it's our Hearts of Gold initiatives. And obviously we're there to try and help people as many as we can, we know what's going to happen over this Christmas period. Yeah. People are struggling. We don't want to embarrass any people. If you can bring food, you can bring food. If you can't, you can't. It's as simple as that. But we just want everyone, as I say, we've got the heart of gold in this city. When we ask for something, people gather around and they want to achieve something by yeah. helping us to support every food bank as we can across Liverpool. And we're over the moon and that's we're ecstatic over that one. That's amazing. And if there's any, any businesses out there who want to give us a shout out, like like Terry, one of my best mates there, I'll put oh. him right in the spotlight there. <laughs> Terry can oh. give me a little shout there, give us a little call. And any businesses who want to get involved, just get in touch with us. Oh, brilliant. I love that. And 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 we, we'll get on to how it's not just about sport. You know, um, we, we'll get on to like the whole thing and when, when we're having a little chat with you um, a bit later on. Um Okay. But that's that's unbelievable, and and you know, it's the power of something that you think you're doing, but you're not really. You're doing so so much more, you know. Okay. Um, and and we'll we'll share all of that um, when we find out more about you. Um, success for me is um our Jack's back. So um we had um a young person Jack in our office, and yeah. then due to paperwork, um and form filling and phone calls and everything else, um but he was able to come back this week. Um, so oh. massive success, and it was lovely. Because um, he'd been with us for a couple of weeks, and, and and I was like, "Oh, you know, what's your best bit?" And he said, "Oh, I'm in a routine. You know, I'm getting up of a morning." Yeah. Um, and, and he was coming in, and then uh, this morning I said, "Oh, you know," because I said, "Oh, you can come Wednesday." I said, "Oh, you can start again on Monday. See how you feel." He went, "No, no, I'll come back on Wednesday." I said, oh. "Okay." And then the weather this morning, I thought about he's fuming, yeah. <laughs> so she just said, "Like I'll come in That's on Monday." And um, he said, "I said, oh, what have you been doing while you haven't been with us?" And he said. Oh, just sleeping and his routine's gone out the window again. Aww. But um, he's, he's back into getting up of a morning and stuff. So um, so I'm dead pleased that he's there. So I'd say our success is getting Jack back in the office um, this week. So, yeah. So we're going to play this or that. So Sandra's going to ask me a new mal, and I'm going to ask you and Sandra. Okay. Um, and we're just going to do three this or that, which I have written, mine written down somewhere. Mm -hmm. the oh, there I, it is. I go okay. first. Do you want to go first? Yeah, go on, I'll go first. Go today. on, then. So I knew what you're involved with, so I'm going to throw a spanner in the works here. Mal, tennis match or badminton match? Um, <laughs> probably neither. <laughs> oh, I actually get bored when I watch Wimbledon. I'm probably one of the only non-tennis fans in this. So, um, And I don't no. play badminton and don't watch that one. So what a question there. Um, yeah, I suppose when because when they play badminton in China, Mal, and you see it, and they're like that, Shh, not and... just China, everywhere else. <laughs> 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 when you watch elite athletes play, 
many of whom I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll go for tennis because I'll go for tennis because I do watch a little teeny bit. Maybe the final, just the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I watch. What about you, son? Badminton, because I like to see how aggressive people can be with a shuttlecock and how fast it can be. <laughs> <laughs> like that. I love it. Although, <laughs> although there was an ad popped up on Facebook and they're selling the tickets already for the Liverpool tennis tournament mm. that we have every year, which is a great success. Because it's I went to last year with my dad. And well, I thought, and they had tickets, mm. and I thought, why don't we get tickets now? I think we'll go corporate this year, Sam. I did yeah. say to my dad, I said, we need to go corporate. Well, and also we're doing the wackerball and everything, Hal, I thought, you I know. know. Yeah, yeah. Let's I go to I've always wanted to go. Yeah, we, we so I used to go. We went every year for um, while it was on, and then obviously it didn't, and then it's back on again now. So yeah. Well, all um, I see pictures of my friends going with prosecco. That's the corporate bit. That's <laughs> so, to me, okay, go on. Then what about you? Um, so I've played both. I've played both tennis and badminton at, at, a, at quite a high level um, when I was younger. Um, I'd probably say tennis um i've been to wimbledon i've I watched sport you know I, I like any sport sorry the dog's just like having a sneezing fit um so yeah and uh, probably tennis for me tennis yeah i've yeah. played both at a rubbish level helen <laughs> well done well done <laughs> okay and i haven't played any level <laughs> <laughs> okay um, okay mal um referee and i'll wise. just give myself a ref I'll just give myself a red card for that because... <laughs> yes. Get off for that one. Um, Refereeing-wise, <laughs> would you rather referee a kid's match or an adult's match? Um, that's, that's a great question, that, because um, what I've seen around such lines, adult referees, there's something special about them, honestly. They're all robocops because... When I've walked on two touch lines, the youngsters and then the adults, I've I've actually heard more threats than abuse towards a referee on the adult side of things. How those referees do put up with it. I know the thick-skinned all referees. Um, now, in the grassroots side of things, you do they, they still get the verbal abuse, the referees in children's <laughs> football, um, but the the adult football. Yeah, yeah, you tend to feel sorry for the referees who take part in that one. It is really, really hard. And this is why we're probably losing a lot more on the adult side of things. Yeah. It, to the to the kids side of things. But I'd love to uh, if you'd ask me, it'd definitely be the kids because honestly, it's it, it's the it's the way the kids are, the youngsters. You can hear parents on a touchline, yet they are some of them verbally abusive and irate, but you can combat with that. When you hear a manager turning around and saying it's it's yours, Sam, pick it up, and then the kid will stop playing football and actually pick the ball up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kids, kids are so honest when you when you watch them. Yeah. Sometimes you don't need a referee if they think they've fouled a child at a young age. They will stop the game themselves. Oh. They will let you know and feel sorry that they've just obviously fouled an yeah. opponent, and it's. Yeah, that that is the that to me. Yeah, it, it's got to be kids, and that's ninety nine point nine percent of the time that I'm out watching kids football and watching the the parents on the touchlines at grassroots football. Amazing! I know you've never refereed the game, San, <laughs> or have you? <laughs> I've taught. I've okay, would you rather teach? Would you rather teach? Okay, we're going to do teach of you. Would you rather teach little kids or adults? When you, hang on a minute. Well, I love teaching adults. I love teaching adults. I just adore it because I love kids as well. But when you've got a group of children, different, and by group I mean 30, when you've got 30 kids and you're doing behaviour management and someone says you're ma and all that, and it all kicks off in the classroom, that's hilarious, especially when you're following a curriculum and you're doing like Shakespeare and stuff. When you're teaching adults, you really want to be there um and you can have a laugh with kids you can bring them on and you know i i had all my one-to-ones i love them and the kids i used to teach when i was a school teacher i love them but remember i worked with teenagers mostly i, I did some primary. i'm on about little tiny people little no. five six year olds or grown-ups no <laughs> no i love them 
my gorgeous kids are teaching. I've got my little Jacob and my little kids I have, my private clients. I love them one-to-one. -one. If it's a group, not little ones at all, no way. I would rather, rather teach adults 100%. And the reason, the number one reason why I love teaching adults is I teach adults to speak languages and adults who think, oh, you'll never teach me, I'll never do it. And then they do it. And it's the best thing ever. And that's yeah. why nothing against the kids but it's it's a greater achievement for the adults to do it you know so i'd go little people hands down kids yeah. hands down amazing yeah, yeah 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 kids hands down for me go oh, on san your next one just a quick one adults tend not to pass you like that to be the other friday on the ball when their nose is running and they go like that and put it on the ball and hand me the ball no adults ever done that to me Okay, working in the wrong place. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> when I went into teaching. <laughs> but there we go. Okay, right. Theatre or cinema, Mal? Um, well, I hardly go to any of them. Not a board. It's just that I'm so busy with the football side of things and all that. But um, cinema has to be cinema. I love the surround. I love the atmosphere in there. And um, you can get asleep now and again. No one had noticed <laughs> Um, in Star Wars on Christmas Eve, I fell asleep. I know. In Star Wars, yeah. Theatre for me, theatre hands down, live, any live performance, any anyone who can get up on a stage and, and, and do a live performance, whether it's music or singing or dancing or anything like that, it just hats off to them. It's like sports, anyone who does it as a job, it's just amazing. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Sam? Theatre. Although the price is often prohibitive for people, I'm mindful of that. Mind you, the pictures, some of the tickets for the pictures now are £15, depending on which cinema you go to and what time it is as well. But overall, the theatre, definitely. I love the theatre. So, yeah. um, so Mick's on. Happy birthday for yesterday for, to Mick Ellis. So Mick is um, Ben's dad. Um, so happy birthday to Mick. And he says, good evening, happy ladies. Birthday, Finally got our mal online. He's the best. Aww. <laughs> Love it, thanks, Mick. So there you go. Um, okay, watching. Okay, home or away, the match. Oh, <clears throat> I thought you meant the soap then. <laughs> <laughs> home or away, or neighbours. <laughs> so do, do you prefer watching a home match or an away match? Um, probably. Well, both on the same level to me because uh, if your team's playing well, it doesn't really matter. Um, uh, the, the whole match has to be, yeah, 100% because I suppose the atmosphere, I'm, I'm a red, I don't, well, I think a few of them know there. And at Anfield, it's the 12th man. It always has been the 12th man. And that lifts the players. And you can see that what's happening this year. They are lifted. The football is unbelievable. Mo Salah, Mane, they're all... Even last night's game, even last night's win, I didn't think that we were going to do that. But even the kids, everyone who played, it seems to be rubbing off on each and every one of them. Yeah, and 100%. these are the professional footballers that we have in the first team. Kids are coming in and they're learning their skills now off, off our fellow professionals. And it's just great to see. But, you know, the atmosphere, the fans, the Liverpool fans themselves, this is my opinion. They seem to generate an atmosphere no matter what. And that's Definitely. that's what I love to hear. Yeah, it has to be at home. They're the home games. And as I say, how many and goals that's that not home just about, That's not just about football. Sense. That's not just about football. And I, who was I telling this guy? I can't remember. If you go to Alton Towers, or I was telling the hairdressers, if you go to Alton Towers or somewhere like that and people are having a day out and you look, and people look miserable. Whereas I think we tend to be happy when we go out and, you know, if we take the kids, if we took kids on a day out to a theme park, but we'll all be like, oh, happy and everything. And where do you go to in country? And aren't so happy, do you know what I mean? They aren't so smiling, things like that. And G and people along. And I think we like to create a, like, a more positive environment generally, not just the football. Uh, Helen, I've only been to home. Oh, no, I have been away at Wembley <laughs> in 1984. <laughs> I went two consecutive years, mid-80s to Wembley, that's it. Apart from that, I've only ever been to home games, and that was years ago, and I did enjoy them. My favourite game was Parathenacos, the European game. And that's that. So, Amazing. what about you? 
Um, so, yeah, um, home games are amazing. I think the atmosphere, but I think the atmosphere in an away game is, um, is 10 times better. But then sometimes you go, you know, I'm a bit like you, Mal, you know, um, I definitely know that, the, you know, they are the 12th man and, you know, um, sometimes the atmosphere, um, I get like dead emotional and the hairs on the back of my neck stand up and, you know, um, I can never listen to you'll never walk alone without being emotional, you know, um, when you've got the crowd. And I remember going and um, Liverpool were playing Celtic and the whole of the, the ground sang it. Yeah. It wasn't just the Liverpool fans, it was the Celtic fans as well. And I've never I'll remember that, yeah, yeah. I've never felt yeah. anything in my body. It, like my whole body was just like like just goosebumps, and it was just it was just unbelievable. It's just yeah. something that's never left me. Um and and again, you know, I watched loads of different sports and um, you know, went to the cricket with my dad, and um that was probably the best sporting event, the T2020. And we, England played Pakistan, and it was just nuts. It's just crazy and it was just amazing and again it was like you know the the, the fans so yeah um i'd probably I'd, I'd probably go away yeah i'd probably i'd probably pick away away for uh for watching the, the sports um go on Sam, last one um last one for me is christmas decorations up before the first of december or after oh just to me yeah sorry ma um, I used to be always be after, but I decided to do it early this year. We got stuck into it, and it was up in November, would you believe? Because I just knew what December was going to be like, and I just wouldn't have time. And getting in that loft, getting all those decorations down, it's always nice to get it done early, I suppose, because you leave it later, you're rushing around. I've still got to do my Christmas shopping, but at least I know the decorations are up in the studio and at home as well. So I suppose this year beforehand it's helped me out a bit. Well done, yeah. man. You've got still got two weeks before you have to go shopping. You don't have to go shopping until Christmas Eve. True. <laughs> but but like yourselves, you know you know what they're telling you to go online now. You go online and everything's sold out. Yeah. I hate so, online shopping. No, I like to go to the yeah. shops. Yeah, I like to go to the shops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the first of December. Totally, I think I love I love driving around and seeing all the lights and the Christmas trees and everybody having stuff up. But um, I think the first of December makes it more magical. I think if it's all up before and everything, you know, the month before, I think people start to get fed up of of, of Christmas as it comes towards Christmas and sort of like the the beauty of it all. Yeah. What about you, San? Well, I know you had yours up in October. Normally, I would normally have mine in December, and I do wait till the first. But my son's girlfriend was over from Italy, and um, she, she went back at the beginning of December. And my son said, "Oh, he wants to know when the decorate." I said, "She can put them up now if she wants." Because I was ill, I was ecstatic. So she did tree, and it's gorgeous because she's very artistic. Um, so I was delighted. So it had it did go up before the first of December. The church was great. So I love having it up the beginning of December now. So cool. Amazing. Just a quick note on that one, girls, and I'm sure you'll agree with me. You're talking about early decorations. Why did the shops do it around about the 1st of November? That is annoying. Yeah. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's too early. It's just too early. It's like as soon as on come, come Boxing Day, the Easter eggs will be out. <laughs> yeah. I think the Easter eggs go out on New Year's Day. I think it's just well, not. Well, the cream eggs, Helen. I think. I know, but it just makes me eat them. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm on the There we go. Brilliant. Okay, my last one. Okay. Mo Salah or Ian Rush? That's for me, yeah. Definitely Mo Salah. 100% Mo Salah. He's just unbelievable. Um, and I think for his contract, given what he wants, he's probably one of the best players that I've I've seen generate skills and, and, and even the kids, even Evertonian youngsters are talking about him. They're saying how good he is. He's mm. something extra special. It's something that we haven't seen. Um, and I I think even the Evertonians, you know, I'm talking to them. They're turning around. They'll admire him. It, it, it's a secret to them, obviously. They wouldn't tell you that out in the open. But when you're talking to them, they're saying, what a special player. And do you know what, what he's done there in the derby as well? I'm not rubbing it into Evan whatsoever because all the teams are suffering at the moment. Even last night, he is just unbelievable. And if you'd asked Ian Rush, he'd say, and I'll hold his hands up and say, I'm sorry, I'm not as good as that man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
What about you, Sam? Well, I've met Ian Rush, obviously, but I haven't met Mo Salah. Uh, I took Ian Rush on holiday, actually, and um, he was lovely and really gentle with his family, and a really, really nice guy, so that was cool. Um, I haven't met Mo Salah, but I like Mo Salah because he's bilingual. I don't know if Ian Rush spoke Welsh, obviously. No, he speaks Arabic. He speaks Egyptian Arabic, doesn't he? And English, well done. And he's done, he's got loads for getting the kids interested in other languages and things like that and culture. And also appreciates um, people of different religions and faith as well. And I think it's done a lot for race relations and understanding more about Muslim faith as well in the city. So I just think he's in it. And he's always just happy and smiley and lovely. He just seems like an all round nice guy. So there we go. That's my criteria. There's nothing to do with goals there. Sorry. Yeah, no, I am hoping go... for though. What I am hoping for that Ian Rush has really got a broad scouse accent and he's a Welshman. I just hope Mo Salah to he comes with our accent very soon as well. <laughs> you can see that. It's just amazing. Yeah, Jan Mulby had a good scouse accent, didn't he? Oh, he's great. He was great, Jan Mulby, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I I'd, I'd go Mo Salah as well, because I just think um his quality on and off the ball is phenomenal, but also I think what a bit like what yeah. you said, Mal. You know, he's such a positive role model for um oh. for anyone, and I think yeah. he plays with a smile on his face, and um yeah. he you can just see he genuinely loves what he does, and he's appreciative of, of you know the places he's been and the stuff that he's done. So um yeah, I'd, I'd go uh, with Mal as well. So there we go. We know a little bit more about Mal, um, and now we're going to find out even more about him. So. I came across Mal through Ben, um, which was our beautiful Ben, um, football with Ben, who's been on twice. He's our only guest who's been on twice. Um, yeah. And it was just about, um, they, they told me about this podcasting that you were doing, Mal. And then when I actually looked, you do so much more than podcasts. Um, so we want to know sort of like how it all started and and, and where it's been and, and what you're doing now and just everything else about you, and then we'll just chip in and have a little chat with you. So uh, over to you, Mal. How long have we got? <laughs> uh, we've got about 25 minutes. Okay. So um, in 2003, uh, before that, actually, was um, I was running junior football teams. I got involved in teams uh, through my son, putting them into a football team. And I just watched in, in 2003 when it come up to... Um, the mentality of people in, in grassroots football. I w I'd never been a manager, never been involved in grassroots football. And I was asked by a manager who was struggling with the team. Well, he actually wasn't struggling with the team. He had two teams. And what he wanted to do was take the better team, which some managers will look at that. And when we say better team, this is the way managers used to be going back those years ago. And what they used to call it was an A and B team. And what he done, he, he put players who hadn't developed their skills as such into the B team. And he just said, you, your son just start and put him into the B team. And honestly, when you looked at them, he was putting kids together. He had no time for them. And I watched them and I, I just watched them and helped them develop. I got them football kits. And it was then that I started running a team. And lo and behold, to cut a long story short, in about three months down the line, the B team were actually holding the A team and they couldn't believe it. We turned the kids around because I bought them a brand new kit and I started saying to them that they wanted, they started yeah. to feel good and believing in themselves. So that's how I got into the football side of things. And then obviously a few years down the line, then I got into the committee side of things and it happens at um, Anfield Junior Football League, which is appropriate for everyone who knows Merseyside, it's between Liverpool and Everton Football Club. And we, we I joined the committee there in, in the Anfield League and it was there that you saw a lot what was going on. You knew grassroots football was out of hands because there was no governing bodies helping out the referees. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I'd been in the, the, the grassroots game for a number of years and I was watching what was happening on the field of play and it was frightening. It was referees getting verbally abused and not just verbally abused, they were getting chased across a park. And it was one day where I witnessed under 14s, it was a free-for-all where everyone 
blame the referee, two teams. Everyone was verbally or trying to assault the referee who made a run for his life, basically. That's the way it was. And the two teams then started brawling while parents were busy chasing the referee into the container which we had to protect. And it was obviously then that it was it brought home to me that that was the frightening scene that I had witnessed and many others had witnessed. And it was about time that someone had done, to the, done something about this. And I talked to a referee walking across Stanley Park and said something needs to be done to protect these referees. A lot of people will ask me why I, I protect referees. The referees are there in the middle. The referees are the targets. The referees can blow a whistle. One side will go against it. The other side will go for it, vice versa. And then because they're the targets, if they blow the whistle, that's where all mayhem can let loose. So they were always the, the person in the middle who was trying to put into the laws of the games for people to understand what they weren't allowed to in those days in 2003. Now, I went home on that day in question and I wrote, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning in my head, I, I wanted to do a programme and it was called Don't Cross the Line. And would you believe it was CROWS that I come up with? This is what I was planning. Every, every, everything I wanted to make happen was in my head. I had to go downstairs and write it all down. And the white pot here spoke into it. He said, well, why don't you just put an exit for the cross sort of thing? And I went, absolutely magic. That's where that come from. And that's how it started. In oh, that was one of my questions. That one of my questions was how you got to the name of it. Yeah, ah, there that. you go. So so it was it was those because also how I got to the name of it as well. You've seen the blue line that police were always yeah. when there's a crime scene and you see um it's not do not cross, it's don't cross the line basically. And that's yeah. that put it into my head that something needs to be done in grassroots football. And that was what I come up with. That's how I, I had to do it. And within 48 hours, that all went into print. And 24 hours later, I was at Everton, Goodison Park, with a lad called Dave Connor, who actually walked in the canteen in Goodison. And he turned around and he said, uh, yeah, I just saw your email. And he said, can I just say to you, before you start talking about what you're doing, is that we have thousands of people in here that we can't see. And he actually says, so I'll give you a couple of minutes just to have a little go. Tell me what, what all about what you're going to be doing. He said, I'll just make myself a cup of coffee. So as I started talking, he's making himself a cup of coffee. Within five minutes, he'd stopped, turned around and said to me, Mal, would you like a cup of coffee? I love what you're talking about here. Amazing. Sat down. That was Everton Football on board, football club on board. Within 24 hours later, Liverpool had followed suit. They were on board with me and they've been on board since 2003, supporting us all the way. Not with money. No, definitely none of these... Government yeah, bodies yeah. don't give us it. They give us the logos. We go cap yeah. in hand and we try and get lottery grants as well to help us out. And as I say, we're going into our 19th year of being successful. And that's how we start. That's how the game started going. And we've got support all over the country. And the campaign has become a national campaign, which I'm pretty proud of. And in 2009, I met his Royal Highness Prince William I saw that photograph. Like, I was like, look at that. Yeah, yeah, he was absolutely brilliant. What, a, what yeah. a guy. And it was not all about me. It's never all about me. It's about the people who support you. And that's the way I look. Yeah. And if I'm doing something to, to help the kids, to help the referees, then I feel good about it. I would have packed it in years ago if I didn't feel good about it. Yeah. But it's gone now where people from all over the country are getting in touch with me. The campaign itself has gone into the MLS in America and also in Australia. So I feel mm -hmm. rather proud on that side of things that people are adopted it and using it, you know. So, yeah, and we're not for profit. So we're not making anything out of it. It all goes back in to grassroots football. And that's where you look at the FA where they can spend millions on their campaigns. Mm -hmm. And we're a not for profit organization based on Merseyside who can make a difference. It gets you thinking, it gets you thinking, why are they spending millions? Why don't they give it to local grassroots initiatives? that will make the difference themselves. We've got managers yeah. out there, volunteers, bringing kids together, yeah. not getting a penny. They're all working together, committees, volunteers. Yeah. This is the grassroots family. And yes, you've got the government bodies who are sitting in their, their offices, 
all getting the wage out of things, coming up with their ideas at the offices. And believe it or not, I was the forerunner for the FA Respect programme. And most of them, and obviously I'm telling you this now, that they took on my ideas. They really did. They admitted to it. And that's where they got their respect programme from. So I decided to, to, to change it a little bit, start all this as well, no ref, no game. Yeah. We're putting this yeah. out on T-shirts. We've got our respect T-shirts. That's something that the FA cannot take off us because we protected that one. That so where did to... um, so ref respect is your um, sort of baby as well, isn't it? So you've got don't cross the line, which is about behaviour and, and and how to behave yeah. and how to you know to look after each other and to look after because you know. But it, it's not just about being on a football pitch; it, it's life skills as well. It's how you you know you're respectful to other people and stuff like that. Um, so where did ref respect come from? How, how did that grow? Because that's part of don't cross the line, isn't it? Well, well yeah. So when when they, we were the four on the four, the respect programme, we were putting it all out. So we had all these logos many, many years ago. No ref, no game, no referee, no game. And then it's been adopted or taken by the FA. So I thought, OK, they took all the ideas on that one. How about ref spec to coincide with respect? Because as soon as you say ref spec, People are aware of what it is and now yeah, pinpoints yeah. directly at the referee. And with what's going on now with all the referees walking away from the game, it's obviously this is what's needed. And the ref the the FA um the media company actually got in touch with me just over twelve months ago, who were very, very interested in the campaign at RefSpect because they feel that RefSpect is making a massive difference. And as I said earlier on, it's a national campaign now and people are using it and we have the premier league referees who adopt our campaign and once a year around the premier league grounds they wear these t-shirts our t-shirts with respect on all around the premier league grounds it during their warm-ups so that is another success that we're proud of from Merseyside to get the whole country involved in a campaign to try and make a difference to keep our referees within the game and also Matt I think the fact, like it says, um, like no ref, no game. Well, it, it it's really in face of how important it is to have a referee, and and you know they are there as you sort of alluded to earlier, the stopping potential mayhem. Let's face it, and people need to respect them. And you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but when there's a referee in cricket, in rugby, in rugby. They have to speak to them really well mannered and things like that. And I don't understand how once in the same country, and some people play both sports, and in one sport, they have to be very respectful. And you know, in tennis, there was like murder when John Macro years ago with Tantrum. We all still know about that. You know, how they speak to the umpire as it as it were. And I think I don't understand why one sport people speak one way. And you know, do you have this in boxing? I don't think so. You know, I don't understand because it's been allowed to carry on. Probably, I don't know. Maybe you could enlighten me, but no, no, you're right. You're totally right. Why is it all allowed like this? And I do think now VAR has come in now to check mm. on goal line technology, things like this. What's happening? Is it a penalty? Is it offside? Yeah, that's coming in. And I do think that the the looking at the likes of. When, when you listen to the rugby, when you hear the referees and how well-mannered they are and how well-mannered the players are back to them, yeah, we will get the odd. Something that will go wrong, we know that. But the majority of rugby players, it actually works a treat. Now, I know what you're saying there when you see players surrounding the referee arguing the case about that wasn't a foul, that was a penalty, free kick, why are you doing this? Why have you blown the whistle? And they still have VAR. That should be stopped. The governing bodies should stop that. Because the kids, first and foremost, yet the parents are the role models first, but also these professional footballers are their role models. And you see kids copying the moves of likes yeah. of Mo Salah, likes of everyone else who are doing it, the professionals. What they do on the pitch means a lot. So when the kids see them surround the referee, it doesn't mean that's going to happen. Because I don't think I've seen any kids at young age surrounding a referee. And if anyone obviously has, they'll get in touch with me, but that moves on towards the adults. That still happens there and then. But it's also plants the seed into the the kids' heads. As they get older, that's when it starts the adult game as well. So really, they should put the foot down. You're right, Sam. It is. Yeah. I know where it's coming from. And we should 
respect our referees more and maybe maybe we could have the referees talking to the players. Who knows? I think that'll happen one day. It is. Um, so like, I, I used to work in, in, in a rugby club, so I, I used to follow the rugby. And um, they had to call the, re the referees there. So they could say what they wanted, but they had to say "sir" on the end, you know. Um, and then um, the rugby games um, now, the, the the referees are mic'd up so that you can hear sort of like what's going on in the conversations and things like that. Yeah. Um, exactly. And I always think, you know, that's probably not going to happen in football. But there's not really a consequence in football. I mean, they can get like a yellow card if if they say something particularly. But I think in in other sports, so like if McEnroe, you know, when he was throwing his rackets around, there was a consequence to it, mm -hmm. and there was um, a consequence in boxing. You know, you get points deducted and things like that. In in um, rugby, you know, you'll get put off to the sim bin and things. Um, so there's lots of consequences. Football doesn't seem to have that same level of consequences, but it's more about for me. I mean, I, I my my nephews play footy, and you know I've been to watch, and, and I love you know any types of sports to watch and grassroots, um, and on the line, you know, is unbelievable that you've got parents, you know, screaming and shouting at five, six year olds who they think that's Stephen Gerrard and stuff, and I think, oh mate, you know, they they, they they should just be having fun and they should just be having a great time, and mm. you know these football managers and coaches, as you were saying before, Mal, most of them. I would say most managers and coaches and, and people who are involved are volunteers. You know, they give their time up. Oh, absolutely. And referees um, give their time up. So they get paid for a, a minimal fee for ref in the game. But they've got the travel time and they've got, you know, everything else and, and the training and the up, upkeep of, like, you know, they have to learn the rules and the regulations and all the other bits as things change. And they get paid a tiny amount of money for actually reffing the game. And I think people think they're on millions sometimes, the way they speak to them. It's mm -hmm. just unbelievable, isn't it? So have you noticed a change then, Mal, in the, um, since the RefSpec programme has come on? Have you noticed a change in behaviours? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. And Jeffrey Humble, honestly, it's um, on a Saturday <clears throat> and there's a chap who runs the North Liverpool JFL, who keeps mentioning me, if, if I get on, and it, it's Bob, do you know him? We know Bob Doherty. He's starting to mention him, there you go, he said. Yeah, yeah, so Bob, Bob looks after well. the league, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Well, I meet them every, they've got a well-run league as well, and I meet them on the Saturday, and they're doing the food bank as well on the Saturday, as well as just doing that on the Sunday. But, um, yeah, the the well-run, and... I understand where you're coming from with the kids, with the with the the committees. They, they all do a great job. The difference is it's working because there's a lot more organisations who have, have done their own campaigns, who are setting it all up. I, I'd like a lot more who just, if they'd have joined us many years ago, the Don't Cross the Line would have been a force in itself. But if you've got that many different campaigns trying to do their own little thing, so it, it's great because... Me, I'll support anything that will protect our referees, protect the kids on the field of play. Because first and foremost, if you don't protect the referees on the pitch, the kids aren't protected. Because when they, the parents are shouting the verbal abuse towards the referee, who's the ones who are all listening? It's the kids. So they think, mum and dad are shouting it. It's okay for me to shout it as well. But the, going back to the question of has it improved? Yes, it's improved. The adult game, maybe that's gone a little bit worse because a lot more are walking away um grassroots football it's it is happening i'll give you a little story just the other uh, the other week where's a 14 year old referee in northumberland who was verbally abused and also practically assaulted on the field of playing his first game in charge now that's gone to the bbc oh, they've been all over it um i did try and contact the mum to to say because i've been in touch with some referees who've been verbally abused and almost assaulted as youngsters and you know what they've gone on to stay within the game and improve immensely they've been brilliant they've listened to it don't pack in try and go at them because you're only letting the irate parents and spectators win if you don't if you give up that is their win and we've got likes of support from the organization our organization like ourselves don't cross the line to try and help them watch the backs and report to the committee and to the local county FAs. And we need a little bit more authority from the governing bodies to basically give bigger fines out, or yeah. at least a fine, towards these irate parents from a ban. That's what it needs, and they've been saying they're going to do it for years, but they haven't. What happens if, so say, excuse me, say um, there's a full match, 
and parents are massively abusive like that. What happens? What would happen if that if there was say there was a match on Saturday somewhere and parents were vile and come out with all kinds of f and everything? What would happen as a result of that? Well, the referee first and foremost would make a report on that. If if it's a young referee, which many of those kids are still at school, so parents don't understand it is a safeguarding matter. They don't realise what they're doing because they're basically shouting at the kids who are referees as well. But if, yeah. if there was an incident where something had happened, the likes of that, it's getting investigated by your local authority, which is the local county FA down in that area. And people are screaming now, they want more, bigger consequences towards the parents' bands and even the kids themselves, which have found out that the youngster who threatened, who was a 12-year-old to a 14-year-old, they wanted to threaten them as well. They've been banned at the moment, so they're taking action in further investigations pending. But the likes of you, we were talking about Bob there and Connor and the North Liverpool JFL and Dave from the Wantland Caretail. All these committees are getting stronger. They really are getting stronger and they're taking action themselves. And if, they, if it's proven that they have verbally abused the referee or shown aggression, then they are actually banning those players and the, uh, sorry, the parents from those matches. Mm -hmm. They're talking to them and the teams are getting stern warnings. If it happens again, they're out the league. So things are starting to roll and motor, and at least it's going in the right direction to keep our referees within the game. So, yeah, bigger fans, maybe that's that could help as well. Yeah, it's, it's consequences, isn't it? It's consequences to your actions, you know what I mean? And and if you can, yeah. as you were saying before. So you were saying that people can um, sort of sign up to RefSpect. How do they sign up to RefSpect? Or, or it's how simple, do they sign up one. to the All just you have to do is, this is This is how they sign up. They just turn up. So again, if they're watching their child play football or they're just a spectator and they actually start encouragement, they start applauding the kids, they start disappearing from being a sideline referee to give that referee and the kids more encouragement on and off the field of play. We don't have them to sign up on the, the they can come up on the website. All we ask them to do is support us by supporting the kids and the referees playing week in, week out. We don't want a badge of honour. We don't want to give them a badge of honour. We just all want to work together and be as one and support our referees within grassroots football, safeguard them and also safeguard the kids on the football fields week in, week out. So really, there's no signing up fee. It's just them applauding, rather showing more dissent and disrespect towards the kids and the referees week in, week out. And they can support us easily. And that's just shake our hands as we go on the pitch or around the sidelines. That's all we ask for. And I'm sure there's more and more teams supporting what we're doing week in, week out. Amazing. So it's amazing. Creating a vibe of positivity, isn't it? And and just doing That's the all. right thing. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. The, the right thing, yeah. You don't, you don't see these parents going into a school, do you? And start shouting how to do their maths or English. Why should they do it on the football pitch when the kids are just trying to develop their skills? And the referees are trying to develop their skills as well. It's yeah. as simple as that. Just applaud them, support them, and encourage them. And that's all we ask to be yeah, part definitely. of the RefSpect and Don't Cross the Line campaign. Amazing. I love it. Brilliant. So give us a quick... So you've got RefSpect, you've got um, Don't Cross the Line, and then you've got your young commentators, um, which is how we sort of know you through our Ben. Um, so how did... You sure to go from RefSpect and Don't Cross the Line to now this amazing little commentary podcast gang that you've got in? Well, I had that idea for years and years because I wanted to train the kids up to go out there and they will be trained. They're still asking now. They're going to be going out with a microphone to talk to parents, to talk to spectators, mm -hmm. irate, and asking the questions why they behave like that on a touchline towards the referees. And I want to see what it brings out of the adults when a child asks them that question. So we're training them up to do that and they're almost ready to do that as well as they're going to be doing some celebrities in the future, which one of our lads is organising and we'll let you know who they're going to be interviewing. But that is what we want to try and do. And, and you know what? Well, this, this fella, as you know yourself, that fella's called Mike, right? Now I took Mike one day round to grassroots football with me and there must have been about 200 parents all stood around and they were all waiting for the trophies. It was a presentation and I just shouted, excuse me, everyone. And I introduced Mike to all of them. 
And I said, Do you know what? We don't need these football barriers around the touchlines. Always, all we need is Mike. Because yeah. when I come up to you and ask you a question about why you verbally abuse the referee, you'll all go stumped. So Mike is all we need on the touchline. And that's that that is the be all and end all. Yeah, it. true. He shuts yeah. up, he won't say anything when the microphone is out. That is it. And it works of wonders, honestly. Brilliant. And, and is that going to be turned into a podcast or is that just going to be something that you're just going to basically go around no, and no, speak? No, that's, no, that's, that's going to be turned. We're going to try and get the kids to have their own show and we're going to interview them. We're going to get managers in as well for the kids yeah. and parents, for the kids to talk to, ask them questions about what they like, about grassroots football, what it's all about, how long they've been in it, why they've done it, why they're actually verbally abusive on a touchline, why they're irate. And I think that will be another deterrent towards the parents on the touchline who realise, hang on, if the kids are noticing what I'm doing, I better stay away from the game well, because if you are yeah. Irish, we always give that advice. Stay at home, let someone else take the kids and that way you won't get in trouble and the kids can play football and the referees can develop their skills as a and referee everyone as can well. have a nice time, yeah. Everyone can have a good day, can't Smile on the face, yeah. Brilliant. And, you know, we, we were talking about, you know, a little bit before about um, Saturday and Sunday about the food bank and, you know, the... the um, the fans with food bank who um so they go to the grounds don't they in like um the premier league grounds and, and people donate food and stuff like that so is it yes. those same people who were coming to to um the jeffrey humble at the weekend yeah yes fan support and food banks yes they've they've jumped on board that's brilliant they're doing it on the yeah. north liverpool i think that they, they've got to go earlier because liverpool are at home yeah. because they have to get to that ground as yeah. well but we've got them all day on the sunday uh, from eight o'clock in the morning we're there from till three o'clock in the afternoon and as I say, you've got to wait for Father Christmas as well. Come on, there's for the kids. It's, it's sorry that he couldn't spend there all day, but we do know He's busy. That he is a very busy man at this yeah, yeah. in in December. So he can only spend an hour with us. We'll try and talk him into getting a little bit earlier and being there for the kids. But it's something special. And as I say, if we get a camera crew, and if we get the support that we're expecting, this food bank and these food banks all over Liverpool are going to really be in a, a, a joyful time. And it's horrible that we have to do this. We shouldn't yeah. have to do it. But as I say, we have to get around, do something. I'll feel great about it, knowing that I've helped people all across Merseyside. And as I say, we don't want to put the pressure on people who can't afford to put yeah. whatever food that they're going to bring with them and essential items that will help families over Christmas because we do know it's going to be a torrid time this year. And yeah. if we can all help, fantastic. And I'd just like to thank the businesses. I can't. In the studio, there's a business downstairs who just jumped right on board to help towards raising the £1,000. I'll give you his name sometime when I get it, but he said he'll sort me out on the Friday. And also, wow. Ainsley Sofas, Colin Fulton, who's done a, an amazing job. He set up a spot the ball as well to raise funds and all the people who had to go on that one. And the Heart of Gold initiatives itself, that has put the money in. But we've also got uh, Seven Elite Academy, who hopefully are going to be getting on board with us as well. They're running kids' teams all over Merseyside. They want to try and get involved with it. They're going to let us know. Drop me an email just before the show here. Said, I'd love to get involved in that. I think what you're doing is an unbelievable idea. So there you go. It's it's Liverpool. It's success in the city, which is not about me, not about you, not about everyone. It's about everyone in the city. It's about everybody. The, it is. the ones, they're the success. Yeah. This is the backbone of our city. Volunteers, people who want to get involved and help other people as well. And that's what I want to you know, toast tonight. They're the yeah. success in our city, not me. Uh, they are. Honestly, this is what we have got a, a, a hundred thousand diamonds amongst us. You know, it's just about ordinary people doing great this day after day after day. And what you're doing is you're bringing up those young people, see the value of others. There's no shit in it, there's no embarrassment. People just have hard times in life and they need support. I think it's fantastic. And as I said before, it's doing one thing like football, but actually the knock-on and the impact of it's incredible. How amazing! We're so lucky to have you on our show. Thank you. It's amazing. It's brilliant. And um, so, I'm presuming that you don't have to be playing football or, or or dropping your little people off to play football. Um, if you're around the Jeffrey Humble um Saturday and Sunday, just and you've got some food, you know, call in big massive car park. You can drive in and drop some food off, and um, you know that it's going to go to um. A really good, amazing, uh, and it's going to stay local, isn't it? You know, which is another thing which is really good. It's all the local you know, food banks that they're delivering to, it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And do you know what? I'd love that all across the country. Maybe we could some, do something like that 
next year have a big massive grassroots we hopefully we may not need to because the government might sort things out for us and we can all stand and go do you know what be lovely that's great. Be lovely if i'm not allowed to do politics on here mal you're not neither because so my uncle ron's listening in my uncle ron is um <laughs> so he's listening in and my uncle ron says um it was the same problem 50 years ago when his brother was watching his son's oh. plays if nothing changes uh, um, i'll give myself and, another red card there <laughs> so so hopefully it is it is changing now you know with the amazing um you know project that that mal's got on the go and and i love the fact that yeah. people are buying into it um not just locally yeah. but you know um all around the country and and then you're going international as well which is um, pretty cool and it's not just referees in football it's referees in any sport isn't it you know um, they are giving yeah. their times up and you know so um amazing brilliant yeah. brilliant so what's the future um, then quickly what's the future for um what, what's your next plans um, well, the next plan, obviously, we've just done, with the Heart of Gold initiatives, uh, we've done a, a marathon, we've run a marathon, we've done the, the National Three Peaks um, for the Heart of Gold, and now we're planning, just after this one, after Christmas, we're planning the skydive and Hadrian's Wall over the three days, which is probably walking that, which is 26 miles per day, that we're trying to average. So we're going to try and com combine the two of them together. We're going to fly in Scotland, do the, the, um, the sky jump, and then go straight into a war for Hadrian's Wall. So that's going to be a big, massive plan and a big challenge as well. I'm up for walking, Mal, but not jumping out of planes. <laughs> well. That's, do you know what? There's, and you want to see the amount of people who just want to do the skydive. So we're going to organise a skydive rather than them going on the walk as well. I've got, honestly, they, they want to raise money, which is brilliant again. Yeah. And yeah. I, I can't thank them enough, but that's the big plan I've got. And, I, and the lads know the team I've got behind me. They just leave it to me. They know we'll come up with things willy-nilly. Wow. And they've got to just say, yeah, we'll do that one as well. we'll but the team is building up as well behind the Hearts of Gold initiatives. And we've got lad Chris O'Sullivan, one called Taxis. They're getting involved as well in a big way. They're all local firms. They're all local people. And they're all wanting to make a massive difference. And so we who want to started, maintain... Sorry, who started the, the Heart of Gold initiative? Was that something that you've created or is that something that's... Because I just yeah. saw something out there. In... <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I just it's it's part of the don't cross the line as well. And okay. as I say, we want vulnerable children who are suffering, kids who are going to be suffering in accident, roads, accidents, sickness. We want to try and build it up to a national charity if we possibly can. And then we mm. want to help kids all over the country. Because I don't believe in segregating postcodes. I really, really don't. No. I just believe no. in bringing people together, communities together, and we're together as a team and as one. Yeah, Amazing. exactly. Unbelievable. One I think we could do another show. I think we could do another yeah, hour of uh, talking. Again, definitely, and give us an update. How oh, fantastic. I found that so interesting today. It's been amazing. Absolutely amazing, yeah. And I knew you did loads of stuff, but didn't realise you did as much as you actually do, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, so but if, if people want to get in contact... Anyway, you yes. can all see the design oh, as well. Oh, I just thought then. I didn't know what was going to happen. That was near the embarrassing moment. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so Mick, Mick's That's just good. put on, Mick's just put, uh, Mick's listening in and Mick said, uh, told you he's the best. Uh, you're right there, Mick. Yeah, he, he really is. Yeah, um, and we're slowly running out of time. We've only got um, a minute and a half left. So a quick positive challenge, Mel, that people can go out and about and do. Say again, I'll repeat that, sorry. A quick positive challenge that people can go out and about and do this week. So they could drop some food off for the food bank or something else that we could do. Uh... Well, we'd be going around with a collection bucket as well on the Heart of Gold on that day as well. So the positive thing is that if they don't want to do donate food off, they want to do both, fantastic. We're not forcing anyone. They can do it. They can help us into our next um, activity and they're the positive positive challenges and also just be good on the touchlines respect the referees respect the referees and encourage them and encourage the kids and that's the positive thing that i'm asking for and help with the northwood pool jfl and also with the walton Caretail over this weekend as well amazing brilliant thank you so so much for giving your time i'm so glad we got the sound working and uh, <laughs> it's it's been amazing unbelievable um so, 
We do have a But if anyone wants to donate any um, laptops to me for the studio, yeah. I'm all in. That work, and we'll get it a lot better then. I'm all there for it. Brilliant. <laughs> no, thanks, Helen and Sandra. You're absolutely fantastic. What you're doing for the city as well is just unbelievable. You're bringing people on to hear their views and get themselves yeah. noticed. And that, you, do you know what? You've done us a proud job as well. You've, you've oh. given us the time for the Don't Cross the Land respect campaign and the Heart of Gold as well. So you two are making a massive difference as well. Oh. So we appreciate yourselves. Oh, thank you so much. Well, we're going to hand it over to you to close the show with your positive quote or something that you maybe live by. Yeah, OK. So I'm ending the show tonight on Success in the City. Uh, I know there's a programme that I nearly keep getting it mixed up with as well. Um, but it's a positive note. Be positive this week. Be positive to each other. Christmas is coming. Let's all work together as a team. Let's support success in the city as well as don't cross the line. Respect. Heart of Gold initiatives. And have a great week ahead of you. And let's just hope you'd all get your stuff, what you wanted for Christmas. And have a great weekend supporting the food banks and making people smile and be happy. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for giving your time up. And a massive thank you to San. Um, and we'll see everybody next week. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you. Oh, she's she's accidentally there. She's she's escaped. Um. Oh, do you know what? I because obviously I'm not into like my lad was into football. My friend played his son did it for years at Camp Hill, and then he went on Liverpool's books and all the rest of it. And then he was up at Bolton, and then he played abroad, and that he's 23 now. My oh. God, wrong button. I have to do. Are, are, are we still on?